Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Stop Being the Best Kept Secret. I'm your host, Tana M. Session. I welcome you to the new episode of my brand new podcast. And I am the founder of TanaMSession.com, international speaker, coach, reinvention and transformation expert, best-selling author, Huffington Post, top female expert to follow in 2018. And I am also an HR and business consultant. So I welcome you to another episode of Stop Being the Best Kept Secret. And today I wanna talk about the wounds of black women as it relates to skin color and hair texture. And I, I consider this to be a topic of importance in particular because it comes up time and time again. Now what I am seeing is a a race embracing darker hued women, which is fantastic. But what I can speak about from my own experience growing up, because I am what you would consider light skin, not extremely light, but I am light skin. And growing up, that was something that was an issue, not just with friends in school or people who I thought were friends in school, but also within my own family. Now, my family is um, from New York originally, but moved to the South, and that's where uh, generations of my family is from, the South, in particular South Carolina and North Carolina. And I was raised from the time I was about four years old by my maternal grandfather and his wife, which was my step-grandmother. My step-grandmother was very dark-skinned, and my grandfather was brown, you know, cocoa, I would say, cocoa brown. Out of everyone in the family, um, I am the lightest out of the children of, of my grandfather and I was raised almost as one of his children so out of the entire crew if you will I was the lightest one and I remember that was an issue not just for me but for my grandmother so this was something I've been dealing with ever since I was little in regards to how I was treated by darker skinned women I wasn't embraced I wasn't treated as equal they didn't want to be friends with me or get to know me for who I was, they automatically made an assumption about who they thought I was just purely based off of my skin tone. And the fact that at the time I did have light, sandy, reddish hair. Um, So I tended to have more white friends growing up than black friends, in particular girls, because the white girls didn't really judge me in the same way. And I felt a better affinity to them, and quite honestly, um, for multiple reasons. One, when I was in foster care, I was born into the foster care system in New York City um, to a single teenage mother, and the family that took me in from birth until I was almost four and reunited with my, my maternal side of the family was a white family. Um, so I identified with white people from that perspective. Um, they were the first ones that I knew. They were the ones who raised me for the first four years, which as if any of you are parents, you know, those are the formative years of a child. So by the time my grandparents came and got me out of foster care, out of, away from this foster family um, and, and got guardianship of me and moved me down south, um, it was unfamiliar to me being with a black family. So I had a lot that I had to learn at a very early age in terms of who I was and my identity. But it wasn't taught to me in a proper, effective, nurturing way. It was taught to me in a way of 
making me feel there was something wrong with me because of my skin tone. My grandmother used to have me sit outside and play outside in the heat of South Carolina in the summer and tell me I need to get some color. I didn't know what that meant. But what she wanted me to do was become as dark as a brown paper bag or darker. I was a little lighter than a brown paper bag. So her thought was, if I get darker, then I wouldn't think I was better than everybody else. That was never something that I thought. It was just something that I was familiar with, again, because I was raised by a white family. So lighter skin was familiar to me. And, and being with white people and having white friends was familiar to me. Um, and the fact that my darker skin sisters really didn't embrace me and didn't try to get to know me or be my friend left me with no other choice in a lot of ways. Well, there are a lot of black women out here, all skin hues, that are experiencing the same thing, have experienced the same thing from their childhood, and they're still carrying that with them as a historical pain, a historical hurt. And it shows up in, in negative ways. It shows up in them prejudging other black women based purely on their skin tone. I actually make a habit of going out of my way to try and make everyone feel comfortable with me because I feel like I'm being judged from the time I walk in the door. I could be wrong. I could very well be wrong. I hope I am wrong. But what I've learned over the years is nine times out of 10, I'm not. And that's unfortunate because I consider myself to be outgoing and friendly and I am a social butterfly and I want to get, every, I want to, get to know everyone in the room if I can, at least introduce myself and just say hello. But I sometimes feel a sense of someone's guard being up and usually when that happens, it's someone who is of darker skin. Now my goal is to break past that barrier and just let them get to know me on an individual person, personal basis, at least if it, even if it's just in the moment to say hello and for them to just say, oh, okay, she spoke to me. Because again, they are probably carrying historical hurts and pains from the way they were treated by lighter skinned women. So I give them that. I give them that allowance. I give them that freedom and I also give them that forgiveness up front. I don't prejudge based on skin tone or hair texture, etc. Because it just doesn't make sense. Because at the end of the day, we're all black women, we're all queens, and we should support each other in that way. When that doesn't happen, then what we're doing is we're falling back into the habits that were embedded in us and the generations before us by slave owners. So I'm sure each of you know that the lighter skinned women, the lighter skinned children, the ones who were mixed with blood from the slave owners were the ones that were treated differently. They didn't have to necessarily be in the fields. They didn't have to do manual labor. They were welcome in the home. Even if they were slaves still, they were in the home living a better life than the darker skin or darker hued slaves who were out in the slave quarters and living in not so uh, pleasant conditions. So they have embedded that into us from the time we got off the ship and hit U.S. soil. And it has not changed because our great-great-grandparents, great-grandparents, and grandparents and parents still have those scars. And as a result, those scars have been passed down to us, unbeknownst to us, without even really thinking about it, without even thinking about where this came from or why it's here or why do I have these predisposed um, um, opinions about someone who's lighter skin or darker skin, but rather understanding that we're all in this together. 
we talk about black girl magic, that's real black girl magic. When we really support each other, regardless of historical hurts and pains that we may have encountered by our own kind, um, when we're really supporting each other and really there to uh, help each other fix their crown when that crown is crooked in private and not doing it openly in public or bashing someone on social media. Um, but it's going to come from a place of healing and a place of love. If it doesn't come from those two places, it will not sustain. It will not be successful. And that's where the work comes in. You have to do the work on the inside. You have to be able to look on the inside and understand where is this coming from? Where is this feeling coming from? When it's feeling of microaggression or macroaggression and why am I feeling it? And dig deep. Think back to your childhood because I guarantee you there is a beginning to when this first occurred, this first feeling of yours occurred to you about someone who was lighter skinned than you or darker skinned than you. Just recently I was on Facebook and there was a video that was going around that was viral. And as a little boy, he couldn't have been more than, I would say, seven, eight years old. Seven or eight years old, better than mine. And there are adults, a man and a woman, I don't know if it's his parents or not because they're off camera, but they're telling him, do the light skinned face, do the light skinned face. And he's doing this dance and he's making this face where he kind of looks like Drake. So I don't know if that's what they were implying, but the fact that they were already putting this in his head, that there's a difference between light-skinned and dark-skinned black people. Again, this is learned behavior. It's not something we're born with. You see babies and, and little children on a playground. They don't care about the color of the other person. They just see someone and they want to play. It's, a, it's a, a level of innocence that we need to try and get back to. Where we just get to know people on the surface first without predisposing our own prejudice that sometimes aren't even ours. They were taught to us by our parents, by our grandparents, by their behaviors, by their words. My grandmother used to call people a little nigger. A little nigger. Why would you say that to someone who's a child that's growing up, especially in the South? You are just reinforcing what the white man had done to us already. I've been called a high yellow heifer as a child. Why would you say that to a child? What kind of impression do you think that's making on her? It's making me think there's something wrong with me. And at the time, I didn't even know what a heifer was. I found out later it's a female cow. Now again, ins add insult to injury. Why would that be okay? Now I'm hoping that people aren't still using that terminology with their children. But just the fact that I saw this just on Facebook this week is what made me decide to talk about this topic because it's still going on. When Trump got into office, one of the things we talked about as a people that I saw all over social media was how we were going to support each other and we were going to be there for each other and it was going to be about black business and that's all it was about. And I have to wonder, here we are not even two years in his presidency and it's like we've already forgotten what we said we were going to be doing we've already forgotten what our goal is in terms of coming together as a people all of the other nationalities and ethnicities have done a bang-up job doing that we haven't i have to question why it's because we're still holding on to pains from two and three and four and five generations ago that we haven't let go now i'm certain that you've been hurt at some point by one of your own. I know I have, but that's an individual. You cannot make a blanket statement about everyone who's light-skinned or everyone who's dark-skinned because of that, because of that one individual. You deal with that individual. 
And I would even go so far as to say, let them know how they hurt you and why. Because people are unaware and self-awareness is key. That's how you change. If you aren't aware, then you don't know that you've hurt someone. You don't know that your actions or your words hurt someone. I never had a chance to tell my grandmother how her words hurt me and how they stuck with me for many, many years until I learned how to love me for me. And I learned that my skin color didn't dictate what type of person I was. It didn't mean that I thought I was better than anyone else. It didn't mean that I thought my hair was nicer than anyone else. It didn't mean that I thought, um, you know, I couldn't be friends with someone who was of a darker hue. One of my best, best friends from third grade, from third grade, she and I are still good, good, good friends. We're polar opposites on the color scheme of African-American queens, polar opposites. She has her beauty. I have my beauty. We were never threatened by each other with that beauty, even as we became grown women. Never once, never once. Because there was a level of self-healing, self-love and respect for one another. And that's what we need to see more and more of women, these black women. We need to see more and more of this self-healing and this self-love for one another. We need to embrace each other as a people overall, but in particular, the women. If the women, black women come together and really support each other and really acknowledge everyone for the queen that they are inside and on the outside, we can move mountains. Our communities will be improved 20, 30, 100 fold as a result of that. Our children will prosper because of the fact that we're no longer hating on each other or saying negative things about each other or saying, who does she think she is or she thinks she's all that or just because she got light skin, curly hair, green eyes, gray eyes, hazel eyes, whatever eyes, blue eyes. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we're all black women. And that's what we should be focused on. That's another sister. That's another queen. That's another black woman that you should be supporting. And when she's not coming at you right, you tell her that privately. You don't blast her on social media. You don't talk about her behind other people's back. Because all that's saying is a lot about who you are. If you're not woman enough to tell her to her face, then don't let the words come out of your mouth. No one should hear it before she does. And if she's done something to violate your relationship with her or to offend you in some way, you let her know that in the moment. You don't hold on to it. You don't let it fester. You address it with her, again, privately. You ask for an audience and you let her know. You sit down and say, hey, look, this is how what you did made me feel. And I want to move past that. But I had to let you know what it did to me because it's important that you don't do it to someone else because maybe you didn't know what you, what you said or how you said it or what you did, how it impacted me. If we can start that healing and that type of forgiveness with one another, again, we can move mountains. We could all prosper as a result of the healing that we do and need to do as a people and in particular as a black woman. Black women are running more households right now by themselves. We are empowered. We have high spending power. We have high edu- we're highly educated. We are more educated than black men, but we aren't acting like it in a lot of ways. And that's a shame. It's like, what did you go to school and get those degrees for? Let's act like we respect each other. Try it. I challenge you to try it and see what a difference it'll make just in your own heart. And if no one else responds to you, if you know, if they don't, if, if you want to have a meeting with someone or talk to someone about how they made you feel about something they said about you or what they said about you or how they made you feel with what they said and they don't want to have that audience with you, that's okay. That is okay because you've done your part. 
and then you move on. You don't have to try to force it. I wouldn't recommend that at all. You want to be authentic. You want to be true to yourself. Um, but you also want to keep your self-respect and your self-dignity. So if the other person, other woman doesn't want to uh, have that conversation, or maybe she's not there yet, you got to give her time. And that's okay. Give her that space, give her that time, but at least you got it off your heart, or at least you made the attempt to get it off your heart. And then you move on, but don't hold on to it. Once you've made the attempt, even if it's not fulfilled, don't hold on to it. Because the more you hold on to grudges, your hands are not open to receive blessings. So again, this is Tana Session with Stop Being the Best Kept Secret of TanaMSession.com, your reinvention and transformation expert, Huffington Post top female expert to follow in 2018, best-selling author of Get Your Career Life in Order, among other books. Check me out. Check out my website, TanaMSession.com, and come back next week for next week's podcast episode.